This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Norman Lau, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcasts.roddenberry.com for you to choose from. Science, feminism, even daily news. Boldly go and find us when you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcasts.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Yoda, welcome back to Half Measures Podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by the King of the South, the man with the Merc, the DW General, the D-Dub. Start your engines, ladies and gentlemen, it's Dan Whiting. Paul, you told me you weren't going to come in hot, but I always come prepared. So, ladies and gentlemen, wow. let me introduce you to Paul Kanawa. He was right. He was born in the underbelly of London, raised by thieves, charlatans, and British cabbies. He was pickpocketing shillings from the master's pockets while you were sleeping in your warm bed. He's got more knowledge than the streets have roads. He's our Lord and Savior, the ever positive, movie toting, TV watching, book peeping son of a gun, Paul Kanawa. <laughs> See. Thank you, Dan. You see, I, I didn't come in hot. I came in so lukewarm compared to that. I thought, I'm going to make an effort, but you know what? I can't be bothered to go that far. And again, I feel like I need to raise that game up a little bit. It's good. Uh, it's getting harder. I I still haven't really got one that sticks, but I'll get there. I'll get there. I, I feel like that took you the better part of a day to do. So, um, so well done. I've always been productive. Well, if you've got anything you'd like to add to either of those introductions, do reach out. If you'd like them to stop, do reach out. And if you want to reach out, uh, please do so at Half Measures Pod on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And similarly, if you've got a movie or TV show to recommend or you'd like us to review, then drop us a line, halfmeasurespodcast.com. We do love the mailback questions. And of course, all those links to our social media and our Discord community channel as always, in the weekly episode description, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Awesome. And uh, today's uh, Patreon producers of the show are, once again, Trisha Brady and Samara King. Thanks again for your support. Appreciate it. Look, you're looking at me like like it's like, like we're going back and forth on a movie script. It's like it's my line. It's like... Uh, I feel like I often ask you first the question, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump straight into it because I don't have too many things to talk about this week. So I'm gonna ask you to kick us off, Dan, and tell the world who are listening. And on the subject of the world, we have three new countries who are revealed in just a moment listening to this podcast. Uh, what have you been watching? Well, Paul, what have I been watching? I have once again had another pretty busy week of. TV shows and movies. So I have been progressing with Star Wars Rebels, probably much to your delight. Indeed. Uh, j just finished season two um, into the early parts of season three. Really enjoying where that's heading. Um, I'm really hooked in now. There's obviously some pretty big moments happen at the end of season two. Mm. I'll tell you one thing I have, I have found a little bit frustrating, though, is the... The Disney title cards um, 
kind of are showing spoilers for things which are coming up in the in the episodes. Um, for example, uh, Ezra's got a really short haircut. Uh, Kanan's got um, scars across his eyes, mm. um, and it kind of implies maybe where the where the story's going a little bit. But in saying that, it's pretty minor. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really loving these characters. I've really grown to really appreciate Chopper, the the R2 unit, yeah. so much more. Is he an R2 unit? I'm not too sure, but yeah. he's a great droid. Astromech. Astromech. Yeah, so that's, that's that's been really fun. Um, it's been quite a, an easy watch, and it's it's made me kind of – I've been watching three or four episodes at once, so it's, it's really keeping me hooked in. Um, I have been watching – I've started the Umbrella Academy. Um, I am just in season one at the moment, almost at the end of season one, really enjoying that TV show. I know it's one that you've been watching as well. Um, one that I guess maybe when we've both finished season two, we could do a bit of a, a deep dive of into the show. Uh, but it's 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 a – I don't know why I, I haven't watched this before, but I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm loving the cast. I'm loving the humour. I'm loving the, the soundtrack. Um, it's, it's a fun time. I think if you're looking for a sort of a, a good graphic novel superhero show, it's on Netflix. Check it out if you haven't done it already. Definitely. Yeah, I feel the same way about that show as well. I think uh, a minor spoiler alert for me, Diego feels like my favourite character at this point, but uh, we'll see how that goes as the season progresses. Well, mine is uh, number five. Oh, yeah? Such a such a great character, I think. Uh I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it because it's it's spoilers. But I think once yeah. we do our, our season two um, review, maybe it'll be we're sort of digging into some of these characters because there's some there's some very funny and cool moments in that show. For sure. Um, but the other thing that I've been watching is had some friends over on Friday night. Friends of the show, mm -hmm. um, freckled pretzel, and fat muffins. And we decided to watch a movie, and the the movie choice of the of the group was the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. And so, being a being a purist, obviously, I wanted to go for the extended edition. So, over the course of the weekend, I have now watched all three Lord of the Rings movies. So, that's about that's extended editions as well. I know you extended, yeah. like Return of the King is like all. Oh, four hours or something like it's it's, it's so long so we didn't even get through all of um fellowship of the ring on on the friday night um but then finished it off on saturday morning and then uh, myself and and samara finished watching the, the next two movies because you can't leave the the no. trilogy unfinished you can't leave the fellowship separated you have to get the ring to mount doom and that's what we did um it's it was a real unexpected treat um, it's been a while since I've kind of sat down and watched all three of those movies. The first, the, the, the Fellowship of the Ring, like obviously this movie is, like it's 20 years old next mm, year. Incredible, right? And it still stacks up pretty well. It, you can definitely see a little bit of the of the green screen work more than I think you used to be able to, but I think you can also see that the technology jumps between the three movies. Um, but we had a great time. It, it completely revitalised my love for the the Lord of the Rings franchise. It's it's so well done. I loved every minute, and I thought you'd be proud of me for watching all three, Paul. 
I'm I'm both equal parts proud and equal parts jealous because that's that's a movie trilogy that we often talk about, you know, sticking on. But again, like you, we'd always go extended editions as well. Um, I've, I'm really relieved to hear that it's aged well because yeah, 20 years is incredible. I love all three of the movies. I think I still think there's something about that first movie that I really enjoy the most out of all three. I, just, I love the the setup. I love all of the the setting the scene type stuff. Um, yeah, that's that's great. There's so many great movies, so, so many great um, moments in the in the first movie. So many big set um, set pieces and. Uh, one member of our, our viewing party, uh, Freckled Pretzel, had only kind of maybe seen bits of it or hadn't kind of watched it properly, and this was a, a first sort of proper viewing. And it, it, it's definitely got a – it's a big setup in the extended version. Like you're almost talking an hour and a half-ish to kind of even get going. But once mm-hmm. you kind of get going, going through the Mines of Moria, um, the – when the the orcs and the urukai attack um the fellowship at the end it's it's incredible it's incredible do you have a a favorite of the three movies like do you think it's the first one oh yeah yeah i think i think definitely the fellowship but then i have exactly the same feeling as you that i just i need to watch all three it's not not, it doesn't feel like a standalone obviously and the other thing i often get when i watch those is then i want to go straight into the hobbit so you know i just i can't resist going back and watching those it's funny because I feel like I should watch The Hobbit, but I'm, I guess I'm I'm less compelled, and I feel I it's been a long time actually since I've watched The Hobbit, and it, that'd probably be equally be a, a good watch to sit down and watch uh, mm. back to back. But it's it has been a while, but yeah, no, look, it was a it was a really fun time. It was unexpected. I think if I knew I was going to be watching them, it might have felt like a little bit of a harder task. But yeah, as soon as we kind of agreed to watch it, it was just. It was great, and then, yeah, as I say, you can't leave the fellowship unfinished. So, so you're looking, you're looking at ten hours essentially putting those three together, pretty much. So, what, what's your, what's the peak moment? What's the best scene, and what's your favourite character? Those two questions for you. Ooh, it's. We had many, uh, many debates throughout this this watch, particularly when we we're watching the, the second two on our own. Yeah. Um, a lot of sort of debates about Boromir. Um, um, I feel like I've become quite a Boromir fan. Mm -hmm. I never used to be because I think as I was sort of growing up, always kind of had that perception of him wanting the wanting the ring for himself and wanting to take it from Frodo. But as a an older, wiser um, Daniel Whiting, no, I I didn't really want it for himself. He wanted to protect his people. He wanted to protect the the people of Gondor, and I've really come to appreciate uh, Boromir in a different way. I can't also help but see. Ned Stark from Game of Thrones and Boromir, so I kind of very closely see um, see that. Um, I think that best character. I'm also a really big fan of of Aramir and um, mm-hmm. who we don't see till the Two Towers. Um, the Riders of Rohan are so great. I've got a lot of love for Gimli. I, I don't know, Paul. There's, there's, too, many, there's too many great characters. Yeah, I, I, I even come to appreciate Sam. And I used to really find, I used to think, oh, Sam, he's always crying, but <laughs> he's the backbone of that journey. He's the backbone of the of the fellowship. But there's no Sam, there's no Frodo. And he's carrying all the pots and pans. He's making potatoes, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. 
see the this is an older Dan Whiting, so you're coming to appreciate some of the other things, the finer things, the little things, and uh, I hope you also appreciate in in terms of uh, Boromir that the, the classic one does not simply walk into Mordor has become one of the most used memes of the internet of all time as well. That's always been a a really enjoyable, uh, you know, that whole. That whole one does not simply walk into Mordor. It's, it's a really, uh, really satisfying meme to use. Uh, for me, Gandalf is hard to go past. And again, I think it's... Gandalf the Grey or... Well, see, and so my answer then goes to, I think I just love Ian McKellen in this movie so much mm. that it, he can be playing either of them. Uh, and I really enjoy in the in the first movie, particularly his scenes with Christopher Lee, uh, you know, when they're the sort of they first come together and have that battle um particularly satisfying two greats it's great what a great trilogy to watch i did not see the that coming I, no no look it was a surprise for me as well the other thing that really stood out for me this time is i noticed a lot more of the i guess the the body doubles that they were using for particularly when when the hobbits are, are with a, a fully grown adult cast member so if pippins were gandalf for example hmm. I really noticed how, like, it wasn't Pippin. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't it wasn't like for like, and there was obviously um, body doubles and yeah. um, all, sorts of, all sorts of things going on. And I think it kind of became more obvious to me. I don't know if it's just because watching it in you know high definition on on your on a big TV at home, but it's still good. It's I think it stands the test of time. It makes me very excited for the. Uh, Lord of the Rings TV series that Amazon's working on. I think you're right. It makes me want to go back and, and check out The Hobbit. Um, but yeah, it's a it's. I think it's a it's a trilogy that everyone should watch every every couple of years just to remind themselves of um, of this this great piece of work. Hundred percent agree. And yeah, really exciting that uh, Amazon series being filmed in New Zealand is going to be quite a, a treat to watch. Um, I think the other thing I really like is um on the blu-ray is you have those those documentaries and i feel like every time i watch the trilogy i go straight into the making of and i can quite happily sit for a couple of hours and, and watch those as well uh also just to clarify just for any of the listeners who may not be aware freckled pretzel and fat muffins uh these are these are usernames these are you know uh avatars profiles uh, from our discord community as opposed to people that are actually called these things just in case anyone wondered I don't know if those people were. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Fat Muffins is actually uh, uh, he's the creator of the the Half Measures podcast website. So check that out. Tell us what you think. If it's wrong, it's his fault. Correct. Hundred percent. Any mistakes? Mm. In fact, any mistakes on the internet probably Fat Muffins' fault. Agreed. Mm. Mm. So yeah, so that was a large part of my movie watching. So, yeah, so Umbrella Academy, continuing with Star Wars Rebels, watching this trilogy, the odd episode of Seinfeld. I don't think I need to probably go into too much more detail about that. And then our, our movie of the week. So that's pretty much me, I think. Yeah, there was no extra time to squeeze anything else in there. How no, about yourself, Paul? I'm not surprised at all. Oh, I've done... I've done horrific compared to, to what you've been watching, Dan. I've... Uh... So we actually uh, decided to go for something completely different. We went just for a, a stand-up comedy routine, and we went with uh, Seinfeld, I'm Telling You for the Last Time. Uh, so this was um, a stand-up on Netflix, and it's set 
uh, when I say it's set, he, he recorded it right after the end of uh, the Seinfeld show finished. And so what you get is a stand-up routine where he's cracking a lot of his his Seinfeld jokes the, as the, throughout the whole thing, which is, I guess, why it's called I'm Telling You for the Last Time. Obviously, these are the last time he's going to crack these jokes. Um, and at the risk of sounding a, a bit like a broken record, I feel that this is peak Seinfeld. Like, this is when he's really at the top of his game. It's It's over 20 years old, but it's still really funny. And I think maybe if you are keen to watch it, Dan, it might actually even be better to watch it when you finish the series. So you sort of keep... So, so if you keep it in mind when you're sort of getting to the finale of season nine, I think it could be a nice way to to, to sort of round the series off by watching that. So uh, yeah, it's 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 really funny and um, certainly didn't take as long as watching a Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, the other thing is, of course, with us being in level two uh, alert, level two in New Zealand, I've you know I've been working from home, so I've had less train time, so I don't have any of my usual Amazon Prime. 50 cent lolly bag dip specials uh, i'm sorry to report this week but working from home does of course mean that i get more time in the mornings uh, at home and with my six-year-old daughter we have now finished season four of transformers uh, it was an emotional final few episodes and i cannot begin to tell you how happy she was when optimus prime uh, returned that was a great moment and so with that being completed and with uh, war for cybertron siege that we reviewed last week not being something age appropriate for her we have now started watching uh, transformers prime the 2010 series so um i've I'd watched this before and i'll tell you what i've forgotten how, how good the series is uh story wise voicing wise animation wise uh it's really really impressive and another thing it brings to the table for me is uh is the music as well like i really like um, the way it plays on the the movie music. I've always quite liked the music for those Transformers movies. Um, I think it works quite well in this cartoon series as well. I think on the flip side, the only thing that doesn't work for me as well is I'm not as keen on the, the style of the Transformers themselves. Obviously, they're closer to the, the movie versions, of course, so they're not quite they're not quite my g1 thing and of course having watched siege recently and all those amazing g1 synergies that were going on there that we talked about it was always going to be a hard ask uh, to to match that but now the stories are so good for young kids there's the three human kids in the series it's fun but there's enough there um, as an adult to watch it so um that's been really great and of course peter cullen is is there as prime again uh, even my daughter commented that you know she could tell oh, that's the same prime honestly He's one of those top 10 voices, which I think we've talked about a few times now. It could be a, a podcast opportunity for us. In fact, thinking about it on this podcast alone, I think I've so far named Sean Connery, Liam Neeson, and now Peter Cullen. So I'm halfway on my way for that mm-hmm. podcast. If you're if you're keen, Dan, we could, we could do that. That's interesting that um, your six-year-old daughter can can tell the, the, the voice actor for Optimus Prime. I, when I think back to being six years old, I'd, I, what did I know? I knew nothing. M- much like current day Daniel White, I know, I know nothing. So <laughs> that's really impressive. Is she, how is she finding the, you know, because it's quite a different style from G1 to mm. Transformers Prime. Um, any sort of comments, thoughts, feelings? Is she digging it? I, th- I think it's early days yet, but I have a sense that it may be more enjoyable simply because the the quality of the animation compared to the 80s of course has moved forward so much so as much as i enjoyed sitting through all was it 88 episodes of the you know the g1 um the 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 style of animation 
you can become a little tired of it. I mean, that in the nicest possible way, just simply because of the way it's aged um, and the quality of the stories was sometimes questionable. Uh, some of those episodes, when you look back on them, were actually really crazy. Uh, but this G1 series is a is a really well thought plot um, and well rendered at characters. So I, I think from that perspective, I'm finding that she's laughing more at this this series because there are some jokes there that are relatable as opposed to G1 didn't really have any of that sort of stuff. So I feel like this is a really, yeah, it's great to be always watching Transformers, always. Um, and it's perfect for, for someone that age too. And so obviously you're a, you're a big Optimus Prime fan. Has she found her favourite Transformer yet? She changes all the time. So uh, it was it was Bumblebee to start with. Um, and then she has uh, times when she likes to associate with the the Decepticons, which I find a little worrying. She she really goes goes quite hard for Megatron, so I've I've started nicknaming her Megatron. That hasn't always landed well, uh, but yeah, it always seems to be a mix of Bumblebee or or Megatron, or most recently across the weekend it turned into Starscream. So um, yeah, great choice. Yep, great choice. So other than that, and, you know, we've been watching, like yourself, Seinfeld, I've been watching Community, we've been watching Shit's Creek, a lot of, we've just been watching a, a few comedies, we're trying to, trying to find that next TV show, and much like yourself, as you mentioned, uh, Diana and I have started watching Umbrella Academy, so yeah, that's become, it was one of those ones where I wasn't sure, the first five minutes I was kind of, what's going on here? Now I'm kind of hooked in. I'm really hooked in. I'm really enjoying it. And as you said, I won't talk too much more about that until we uh, till we get to do our review of the first two seasons in maybe a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Sounds good. And that's all I've watched, Dan. That's what I said. I've uh, yeah, not not too much this week. It may well truly be a shorter episode of the Half Measures podcast. You know, after after giving people those. Lord of the Rings level length episodes. It yeah. might actually be a, a normal episode tonight. Who knows? This is this is the theatrical release as opposed to the extended edition. Makes sense. Makes sense. So where to from here, Paul? I'm so I'm so used to us being being hours in at this point. Yeah, no. I th- should we should we go straight into our movie of the week that we watched this week? Yeah, I, I think that that feels like the right thing to do. So this was this my was, choice, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was. Do you want to? Tell us a little bit about this movie, Paul. Yeah, so this was um, this was kind of a, a, a joint choice on uh, this side of the microphone. So uh, much like yourself uh, with Six Underground, you, you did some outsourcing. I, uh, I involved my better half in the decision-making process, and we came up with a couple of movies. And, of course, it was you who ultimately made the choice. But, um, yeah, Official Secrets was a movie that I uh, had never, never heard of uh, I'd never seen until it literally just was flicking through what was available to to watch on Neon, what was available on Netflix. And so this is the the true story of a British whistleblower who leaked information to the press about an illegal spy operation from the US, uh, what do they call them, the uh, the NSA. So um, And it was around trying to push the UN Security Council into uh, green lighting the invasion of Iraq back in 2003. So, yeah, after a couple of weeks of watching movies like Six Underground and Fast and the Furious 
uh, and even Cold Pursuit. This was the first movie I think I feel like I've watched in a while where I really had to to use my brain and concentrate and actually think about the story and pay full attention. And I really enjoyed it for a change. And I came out of this movie going into it having no real expectations other than thinking, oh, I like the look of the cast and I do love a a, a true story. And I came out of it having really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, I've got a lot of other thoughts. What about you at this point then? Yeah, I, I I guess it's a little insight into the way this this process works. So, I so we have a, a movie of the week where if you want to watch along before we kind of dig into its its, it's full sort of workings, we we post this in our Discord channel. So definitely definitely worth joining in. And the way that um the way that we choose them is we, we take turns of, of picking two movies, and then the other person gets to, gets to pick one of the movies. And I I had been equally thinking about we've watched a lot of. Six Underground, The Samaritan, etc. Yeah, Cold Pursuit, and it may maybe it is time for something different. So when you when you get put this up as an option, I thought let's give it a go. I really went into it thinking I wasn't going to enjoy it, mm. and I really enjoyed it. It was uh, thought provoking, um, really good, well acted, true story. It's got some amazing um, talent in there. Um, with Kira Knightley playing Catherine Gunn, the, um, the main actress, Matt Smith from Doctor Who. We're talking a bit more about Doctor Who coming up. Mm. Um, it's got um, Ray Fiennes, a whole handful of other pretty famous uh, actors and actresses. I think for me, the one thing I always struggle with with true stories, particularly in a movie format, is it's not quite long enough for me. I almost wish it was a, I don't know, uh, an eight-part yeah. one-off season on Netflix because I feel like what happens is there's some really great little twists and turns, but none of them are ever really explored enough to really um, pull me into it. But I feel like in, in maybe a bit more of a, a TV series style, I think it, it could have done some really – interesting awesome things and obviously there's there's some limits of how much of the story they can actually tell they're taking a a small soundbite of um a, a pretty major incident but i think it's it's quite a topical subject for the stand age particularly in the in the time of fake news and um all sorts of kind of outrageous things going on in the world really interesting to to see these global events play out in this way. Interesting to see, you know, where where does so so Kira Knightley's character basically feels really conflicted about this information she receives mm. and decides to um, go go public with it. And when she's been questioned, um, she's referred to as you're actually a public servant. And she doesn't see herself as a public servant. She sees herself sees herself as somebody serving the um, the British people, and it's quite a different mindset around mm. how you do your job and how you treat information. And yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I I would recommend it as a as a solid watch. Yeah, for sure. And you're right about you know with what's going on in the world at the moment. It made me think about that too because there are you know a number of true stories that there right now. I think which could be quite similar to this. It made me reflect back on the the Bush Blair governments of that time. And, you know, sort of thinking how crazy it all was, the hunt for 
weapons of mass destruction. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't claim to know too much about what was really going on, but I I feel like I know enough. I feel like like pretty much most people, there was enough uh, feeling of, you know, were we right to, to when I say we, the you know, the, the UN, to do to do what they did, um, you know, it's an uncomfortable reminder as well of how the government will basically persecute anyone who goes against uh, its wishes in any in any respect. Um, just thinking about what you said with the the eight episodes, I know exactly what you mean because there's a there's a part of me that feels like these sort of slow factual movies i don't feel like people have much time for them these days certainly not in terms of going to the cinema i feel like as you say this is the sort of thing that people you know would quite happily you know watch over a weekend maybe like six six to eight episodes on netflix or or something like that um and yeah i kind of worry i guess that these movies will become less and less of a thing as, as time goes by because you know just I, I feel like people don't quite have the maybe the the patience for these types of movies and when i was watching it it made me think about all the president's men which is another movie that i um i really enjoy which is of a similar sort of pace the insider uh, the al pacino russell crowe one i love those whistleblower movies the bringing the truth to the the public type movies um you know they're, they're really really they are really my sort of thing but yeah you i think you made a really good point there about putting those things into a, a tv format maybe it makes it you, you do get more of it because you can go deeper into it so um but, but there's so it much makes, in here. it makes me think actually even more that you need to bump the wire up your up your watching list because i think what was interesting about this movie is and again like you can't do much in an hour and a half, two hours that you've got. But this could have been quite an interesting story to tell from a media point of view, from the mm-hmm. NSA's point of view, um, from the, the the public point of view, uh, from um, Catherine, uh, what was that was? Catherine Gunn's point of view. And it, because I think it, it betrayed the, um, uh, the, the agency that um, – that, Kara Knightley worked for is kind of the bad guy, mm-hmm. a little bit um, quite authoritarian, and I think it played the media out to kind of be a bit more of the the smart good guys who were cracking the case, and that's not really the media that we see in today's day and age. And I think from that point of view, it was probably like a little bit one sided. But I think you know when I think about TV shows like The Wire, mm-hmm. um, who are actually like telling stories from different people's perspectives. It actually almost kind of presents a more rounded picture, and I think it could have actually left people with a bit more of a, a think piece around who was right, who was wrong, take from it what you will, as opposed to here's kind of a a lens over this controversial topic. Correct. Yeah, you made some really, 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 really good points there, and I agree with everything you said. I, I feel. Um, I feel like this is the sort of thing I would hunt out as well. We, we've talked about before about a lot of those sort of British crime dramas, but political dramas, these types of things. Um, just a great movie though. Like Kira Knightley, she rarely disappoints and she certainly delivered in this film. I do feel like I haven't seen her uh, in ages, kind of like how we talked about Julia Roberts last week. I feel like I've seen her in Jack Ryan, the movie, The Imitation Game, and The Last Pirates movie, which was a bit of a small role anyway. But other than that, that's been it for like the last decade. Um, but yeah, as you say, great supporting cast as well. 
Matt Smith, you know, he's obviously great as, as Doctor Who, but I really enjoyed him as Prince Philip in The Crown. And so his range of acting has really um, impressed me. And he was he's very, very convincing in this role. Awesome. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think because I think going into this, I wasn't like, I was thinking to myself, well, oh, it's been a while since I've seen Kira Knightley, and, and I really enjoyed her character in this. Um, the, the characters like Matt Smith and um, Ralph Fiennes, I actually wanted more of as well. I wanted to see more about those characters. I wanted to understand um, a bit more about them. I wanted to see um, more of um, Ralph Fiennes being a lawyer because it, mm. it was really cool. Um, and it, 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 again, kind of, quite a, a star-studded cast and I think these points that we're I think kind of picking apart with this I don't think it takes away anything from the movie no. I think it's, it's definitely a recommended watch I think there's just there probably would have been some other ways that this story could have been told that would have been perfect for all of the streaming services that we have at our fingertips correct and, and just touching on that as, as the lawyer he was great as that humanitarian lawyer type I really thought he brought a little bit of his um his M role from James Bond to the fore in that as well he's a uh, just he just looks perfect for that type of role the other guys i liked as well matthew good he's also from the crown um also from imitation game actually with kieran i thought he was really good in this role working for the defense team and the other guy reese how do you pronounce his name reese ethan's I, I don't know how you pronounce his name he's been in he's, he's just it's just really nailed this part it was a great role for him so uh yeah i found it tense dramatic in places you know they did try and you know bump up a bit of the action and that tension but i never felt bored um you know it's impossible not to feel that you 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 just want them to be successful and win the case and all the rest of it um and yeah this is only the third movie i've seen of this director so um gavin hood is the director of this movie i've i've seen his uh, movie eye in the sky um i really enjoyed that one that was a, a bit of a tense one as well and he also did ender's game which got a lot of hate but I got some things out of that myself as well. So, um, yeah, I don't feel like I, you know, I just said at the start, I'd never heard of this movie. I don't feel like it got much promotion. I don't feel like I'd ever heard of it. The poster didn't really grab me. I'm sure the book is really good. I won't read it, but I bet it's good. I, I think you're right, though, about your, your comment about, I don't know whether anyone would go to the movies to see a movie like this. Mm. I, I, I imagine... I just can't even think who the audience would be who would actually go to the cinema. Mm. Um, maybe retired people on a afternoon session. I don't know. I'm probably stereotyping too much, but it's unless it was made uh, made straight for streaming. It's it is interesting to think because I think things that go to the movie theater these days, particularly in in the the new world that we're kind of moving into, are going to have to be things that really excite people and really are going to have to tickle those boxes for needing to see it on the big screen. Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like I must be getting old because I feel like it would possibly appeal to me if I could guarantee that the cinema was going to be nice and quiet uh, and I had the free time. That would be. I can imagine it would be an enjoyable Sunday afternoon movie watch, but to be honest, I'd probably just rather watch it at home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But no, I think great choice for... Um, and something really different for us as well. Like We're not all just... Um, you know, Fast and the Furious and Six Underground and, Correct. you know, all the, yeah. Comedies and stuff. No, it was good. It was, uh, it made me want to go out and explore some some more movies because, as I said, all the Presence Men, the Insider, always get a lot out of those movies. And I think that they're always the type of movie where the first watch is quite 
notably the better because of course unless you know all the details of the case you don't quite know how it's going to end and that really lends itself to a, a tense finish it's also the sort of um movie where you'll find yourself going onto wikipedia pages to try and find a bit more information yeah um or just kind of close off some of the loops um and i always uh, i guess final thoughts is i always enjoy um, a particularly true story where they're able to kind of end it with some pretty powerful messages, particularly around how many people actually were yep. both killed and wounded um, in the um, 2003 invasion of Iraq. So, and I really like to uh, see um, the actual, you know, the actual Catherine Gunn as well at the end. It's always a, it's always, oh, yeah, it's always great, always great when they do things like that. That's one of the things that, just going off topic, but like Band of Brothers, always hits home because of those 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 guys that you know sort of bookend the the series at the start and the end of each episode the actual guys of easy company it just really brings it home band of brothers such a great series i feel like a rewatch for that as well dan i'd be interested i'd be interested it's so good it's one of my favorites what we really need is a tardis so that we can just keep going back and forth in time and just have all the time in the world to keep watching these things right we can just yeah amazing we need twice the weekend okay Oh, well, yep, as I said, Paul, great choice. I'm really going to have to step up my game with the the options I put out for you um, this week, but um, I'll see what I can do. I'm looking forward to it. It must be time for a bit of news. What do you got in the newsroom, Dan? Well, I've got a few things going on. So have you watched a show on Netflix um, called Patriot Act um, by um, Hassan Minaj? I have not. I have heard of it, though. Yeah, so it's basically, it's it might not be as important to you. It's, it's just been cancelled, actually, today. It's a, it's a really great um, Netflix original series, which really just focuses on, um, I guess, bite-sized chunks of news. Like that. They'll take a news item, like elections or COVID or mm-hmm. what's going on with the uh, the post office in America, and they'd just do a half an hour deep dive into it. They'd do a whole bunch of like really interesting uh, infographics. They try to break it down so that the the everyday person could understand it. And it was a an interesting take on a on a new show, which I think tried to get information out to probably an audience, which is quite hard to reach a lot of the time when you want to get that level of depth around it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a shame that it's been cancelled. Um, but they've they've had a, a I guess a a relatively goodish run um but yeah sad times that that show is coming to an end hopefully it maybe finds it's another life somewhere else or um something kind of is developed to replace it this there's, there's not many shows like that that present deep dive news topics that i've seen before that are quite as compelling so yeah if it's i've actually gone back and watched a few of the episodes um, and you can kind of cherry pick your way through them. You don't have to watch every one, but there's quite a few interesting ones on there if it floats your boat. Rates really highly as well. So, yeah, might, might give it a go one day. Uh, when I was in um, New York, actually, I, I went to a, a, a comedy club and Hassan was actually performing at the comedy club and it was it was pretty cold. Um, it was in, um, in the winter in New York, so kind of had a, a big a Katmandu puffer jacket on mm. and we were sitting down in this in this comedy bar and it wasn't like it was kind of 
cold and cold and dark. So um, I I never took my never took my jacket off, and he made fun of me for this guy's not sure about the show. He's not even going to take his jacket off. He might leave halfway <laughs> through. So, that is great. I feel like we've got a, a special connection, but. I really hope that that was, you know, the stand-ups, they often record one version of their show and that's the one that goes to, to the you know, Netflix or DVD or whatever. I really hope that that was the one that they recorded and that you're, you're immortalized in your Kathmandu jacket. That would be fantastic. That would be great. It's a pretty light news, news week, but a, a few random things that I've, I'd like to bring to the attention of the listeners. So, um, you know, I'm obviously a, a big Game of Thrones fan. I get mm. fired up every time we talk about the, the finale of that show. I've just read an, an article recently on Screen Rant um, by Charles Dance, who played uh, Tywin Lannister, who's the, the head of the, the Lannister household. And he's come out um, publicly, according to this article, and said that he'd be willing to sign a petition to remake season eight if such petition existed, which I think is a pretty big deal because... When you read the article, Charles Dunce is a is a, one of those very old school actors, and even just looking at him in this article, he's got that look about him. If he asks you to remake season eight, you remake season it. eight. <laughs> yeah, I love Charles Dunce. That's 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 shocking because you hear about this all the time. You know, disappointment with I don't know Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker type conversations. People that aren't happy with how things ended, and they keep saying, "Oh, they should remake it." And of course, they never do. They never will. And what happens is maybe later on, maybe not in the case of Star Wars, but in some things, they reboot series or, or they reboot a franchise and they re reimagine it and they do things differently. But help me out here. Have you ever heard of a time where a TV show or movie, the same cast, give or take the Snyder cut of uh, Justice League, where the same cast crew come back and redo an ending of a tv show or, or film never no never i and, and i think it's i talk about it a lot on, on this podcast kind of in jest and i i probably shouldn't because it kind of it kind of feeds into that kind of toxic horrible fan mentality that that's not the vision i wanted so do it better mm. um i think there's just it's and I, th- I think the reason, particularly with Game of Thrones, is unlike, you know, a, a, they cast a Joker that nobody likes or a Batman that people aren't sure about. I think with Game of Thrones, just they had something so great and they would go in so strong and they just kind of just threw it all away at the last minute. And I think people are just, they just, I, I feel like they, they, everyone feels like they deserved more. Yeah. Um, but obviously a lot of work goes into those shows. I, I know that there's a, you know, it's it's not just about the the creators. It's you know, there's millions of hours of costume creation, set design, um, all the various um, different actors and stunt people and stuff. So it's it's pretty outrageous and pretty offensive to say that say that these things should be remade. But would I watch a remake? hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, my other piece of news is um, uh, an article about. And the Mandalorian season three. So I can tell by your eyes. I'm You're excited. excited. So even though the Mandalorian season three hasn't officially been confirmed, I would imagine it's all but a done deal over mm. at Disney Studios. What their um what John Favreau has come out and said is that he doesn't anticipate that COVID nineteen will impact any filming of the Mandalorian season three, 
which I think is pretty pretty cool and pretty interesting because we know that for season two of The Mandalorian, which is is coming out in October, early mm-hmm. October, they had already filmed a lot of season two before COVID nineteen hit. But the way that they filmed The Mandalorian actually means that they can actually have minimal people on set. Yeah. A lot of it's um, like puppeteers and um, stuff that happens in post-production. And so they can actually do it in quite a, a safe way. And so that's that's pretty exciting for, for Mandalorian fans. That's really, you and I, Paul. It, it certainly is. It's very exciting. It's a bold statement to make that it won't interrupt. It's uh... I'm, I mean, I'm all for it. That's great because, you know, we've talked about the lack of content and uh, that's, yeah, I'm amazed by that. I hadn't seen that news myself um, on the subject of The Mandalorian, as you say, October. So only a couple of months away, the uh, the season two premiere of The Mandalorian. Dan and I will be reviewing an episode of The Mandalorian each week as they drop. So if you want to watch along with us and you haven't seen season one, I guess you've got a couple of months to get that done. Very true, very true. And I think as the we've both talked about this as well, we're going to rewatch season one as well just to kind of refresh ourselves, get mm. ourselves up to date. So we're uh, bounty hunter ready um, and good to go on that one. And if you Couple don't, if, if, if you, I was going to say, if you can't be bothered watching the first season, you can, of course, go all the way back to episode three of the Half Measures podcast where we review first season of Mandalorian. And apologies for the audio quality of those uh of those earlier episodes but still you know go back check it out yeah very very dark times, a, dark times, of, very in, terms dark of, times. in terms of audio <laughs> um another bit of news have you i guess what well, first question are you a fresh prince of Belia fan paul oh look i always enjoyed watching it when dinner was on the table it was one of those kind of fun watch along shows yeah so there is a reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in development, but not as a reboot in the TV show that we grew up with, a reboot into a, a gritty drama um, series, which um, Will Smith is um, backing a, a bit of a, a play in this space. And it's going to be about a, a streetwise teen who moves in with his upper-class um, uncle and aunt, um, and it's not going to be a comedy. And <laughs> there was not. a... Same premise, but there was a a YouTube trailer um, that I guess pitched and promoted this idea. Will Smith's on board with it, and now they're they're trying to make it into a real thing. Wow, that's that's amazing. I my initial reaction is no, that's not for me. That doesn't work. Just tell that story, but with different characters. What's the why? What's the reason why you need to have the same characters? It feels feels odd to be like having a a serious Seinfeld, and instead of it being a comedy, you know. There's some sort of like a big, big, big plot to it that's really dramatic, or but I don't know. I'm going to be open-minded about it. Yeah, look, it, it sounds actually kind of interesting. I'm with you though. Could it not just be its own thing? Yeah. Um, does it need to? Anyway, look, I'm I'm intrigued. At at the moment, by the time this comes out, we're going to be so content hungry for correct. Um, fresh we'll watch anything. Anything's going to be up at this point. So. Two more bits of news for you. I saved the biggest bits for last. I like it. They're not really big. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne says he wasn't invited to appear in the Matrix 4. That is awful, for sure. That I, I cannot believe. That's actually a spoiler because in my mind, he intrinsically had to be there. 
Uh, I've already seen one photo of Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss on a motorcycle uh, that was um, released by the studio. And I just presumed somewhat arrogantly, I, I guess, that Lawrence Fishburne would be back. I personally believe that Lawrence Fishburne is playing us here. And I think he's he's trying to build the hype of the return of Morpheus so that when we see Morpheus step out with his black leather coat on, he's going to have the cinema cheering. I don't think you can make Matrix 4 and not have Morpheus. I felt this way with uh, the, the first two sequels. Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, when Ian McDermott, who played uh, Palpatine, was constantly asked, and he's like, no, no, I haven't been asked to come back. I haven't been asked to come back. And I thought, no, no, he's coming back. He's just saying that. And then I was going to the cinema expecting to see him, and he didn't. And then I was doubly disappointed until we got to the final movie. And so I'm not allowing myself to hope that that is what he's doing. I love where your mind's going. I 100% hope you're correct. Uh, But I'll believe that when I see it. Okay, Paul, now strap yourself in for this final bit of news. Okay. This is big. Popcorn sales, home <laughs> popcorn sales, are going through the roof in America. People can't have their popcorns with their movies and movie theaters, and so large popcorn brands in America are seeing increased sales between 40 and 57%. It's <laughs> <laughs> I, what I love about the the Half Measures podcast newsroom is they will literally bring anything to the uh, to the table. That's amazing, and I have to admit, uh, I love popcorn, and uh, it's really hard in this country to get the popcorn I like, which is the sweet popcorn. So I often do end up buying it from supermarkets and so on because I can't get it at the cinema anyway. So uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Popcorn, are you talking about that, the coated stuff, or is it more just the that tastes sweet? Just the taste sweet, yeah. So like, uh, yeah, just a bit sugary here. Yeah. I get it. I, look, I just thought it was interesting. Interesting that people are still wanting their popcorn in their movies, and I thought, you know what? There's a thin enough thread here to what we talk about in movie news that I want to bring it to the table. Nothing's off the table on this podcast, it seems. And that's all I've got. What do you? What about you, Paul? I'm going to bring the news back up a little bit. Uh, I've already said I'm a big fan of The Crown, uh, with a couple of uh, mentions in the the movie that we reviewed this week. But uh, Jonathan Price. Uh, who for me will always be the Bond villain, uh, villain Elliot Carver from the Tomorrow Never Dies movie, 97. He's coming in to the crown at the age of 73 and will play uh, Prince Philip, uh, who, of course, Matt Smith played as a, in his early years. So um, that's really exciting. I think it could be a really interesting choice for that role. Uh, one of our regular contributors in the Discord community, uh, Michael from North Carolina, he posted a... Uh, the Hollywood Reporter link. Um, Tech Notaro is going to replace Chris Delia in the Zack Snyder movie Army of the Dead. Uh, so Chris obviously got himself into uh, some, well, there's certainly some some really awful circumstances surrounding him right now. So I think it's probably the right decision to have the role replaced. Uh, Tig, for me, is someone I know her from Star Trek Discovery, but of course she's actually better known as a stand-up comedian. Uh, so... Yeah, that's quite interesting. So uh, thanks for bringing that one into the Discord news channel, Michael. Um, CBS All Access. 
I'm not sure if this is uh, something that maybe is so big in New Zealand because, of course, we get all of our stuff through Netflix. But this may be rebranded as Paramount Plus, uh, which feels a little bit like a steal from Disney. But I, I don't really care. I just want them to sort out their international release licenses so that people outside the US can go much lower decks. I'm back on my soapbox again. Uh, but yeah, CBS All Access, which is a name that's never really appealed to me, could be changing. Uh, Lucasfilm and Lego, they're releasing a Star Wars holiday special, which should be fun. And that'll be out just a few weeks after the Skywalker Saga game that releases in October as well. And my final bit of news is that Ryan Reynolds released a trailer for his cut of the Green Lantern. Uh, This may not actually be a real movie or a real trailer, but it's on his Twitter page. Uh, It's worth a look. Uh, He may have plagiarized some other movies, but that's not for us to say. Uh, It's not really news, but I like it. And that's that. Very nice. Some good news. No popcorn news, but you can't have it all. Maybe I didn't. We can't both recover it, can we? Didn't dig deep enough this week. I didn't go as far as the popcorn sales, but exact percentages. I really appreciated the attention to detail, Dan. I really did. <laughs> should we? Uh, should we pop on over to the um, the mailbag? For sure. So, um, as always, we had uh, a few people join in the peak performance discussion. We find that seems to be really, really uh, popular. People following last week's choices, Julia Roberts and Samuel L. Jackson. So our regular contributor, Bruce Gray, uh, he went with Eat, Pray, Love for Julia Roberts. That's a movie I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, Trisha Brady, sponsor of this podcast, she went with uh, Pretty Woman. Um, And what else have we got here? Oh, so a new friend to the podcast, uh, Alan Johnson from Forest Grove, Oregon. Uh, he, He recently joined our Facebook page. And he commented on that page that, that Jurassic Park is his favorite Samuel L. Jackson movie. And I always forget that he's in that movie. Uh, it's crazy. As I said last week, he's in so many things. I just always forget he's in so many movies. Um, but yeah, he really likes Samuel Jackson in that movie. Uh, Michael, a.k.a. Sador in our Discord community, uh, He's been catching up and binging our podcasts. Um, he also said that he appreciates the on-air shout-outs. So here's another couple for you, Michael. Uh, so Jennifer Lawrence, he went with Silver Linings Playbook. De Niro, he went Cape Fear. Sean Connery, like many of our uh, listeners who've already commented, he went with uh, Sir Henry Jones from Indiana Jones with uh, Zardo's A Close Second. Honestly, Dan, we've had six people mention this movie, Zardo's, now. So I feel like I, I may have to watch it, regardless of the costume Sean Connery's what uh, actually appears to be wearing in that movie. Uh, for Jodie Foster, uh, he agreed with my contact, uh, my choice contact. He's a massive fan of that movie, too. Uh, Natalie Portman, he gave us Black Swan with a close runner-up. He's he's listed um, Natalie Portman's rapping performance on Saturday Night Live. I haven't seen this. I've made a note to YouTube it because obviously it must be quite, something quite funny. Uh, Dan, there's some some great choices in there. Any of them stand out to you? There's a lot of a lot of classics. I I almost feel like we were probably remiss last week not to talk about Pretty Woman as a movie. Yeah. Such a such a great movie. Um, I feel like almost the reason I stayed away from it is because I thought it would be just too much of a of a of a pick. Mm. But um, I think it is a great choice, and we probably probably should have talked about it a bit more. Um, Silver Linings Playbook, definitely another great movie. All of those choices are great. 
Um, it actually inspired me to think about another movie, which I used to watch a lot as a, I guess a, a teenager, I guess, um, was Samuel L. Jackson, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. I don't know if you remember yeah, that movie. Do, so, yeah. I, again, I'm not sure with how this movie stands up, but you know, Gina Davis, Samuel L. Jackson, she's an assassin, lost her memory. Yep. It's so great. Mm-hmm. So great. But yeah, that, that's one that kind of I, I'd forgotten about, but with all those sort of recommendations popping back up, it inspired another movie. I'm just looking through our, in, our Instagram page now, and actually there's another one in here he's put. He's uh, got uh, for Leonardo DiCaprio, This Boy's Life. That's a really good pick. Oh, yeah. That's such a good film, and he was so young when he did that movie, and yet yeah, really, really really impressive uh so the other side of the mailbag uh was from our transformers war for cybertron netflix season one review that got a lot of people's attention and interest including i'm i'm delighted to say we had around 10 people who work and star in transformers so that was uh that was brilliant that included the head writer uh, head writers sorry brandon easton and gavin uh hignett who also commented and thanked us for the review. Uh, the director of four episodes, FJ DeSanto, show producer Vincent Talenti, uh, producer Jack Liang, who's also been nominated for an Emmy uh, for his work on Resistance. He said he'd listen to our review as well. And we also had a bunch of the main cast members, including Frank, De- Frank Todaro, Jason Menosha, and Lisa Rousseau also comment. Although in my mind, uh, I'm going to reframe that because it sounds way cooler when I say we had Starscream, Megatron, Elita One, Ravage, and Refractor all comment on our review because in my mind, that's who uh, these these people are. And to top that off, keep them in character names because it's cooler, both Megatron and Elita One both commented to say that they'd actually listened to the podcast, which is insane in my mind because I never really, I never really thought Megatron to be the podcast listening type. Um, he even put a comment in there saying, thanks for taking the time to chat about it on your podcast. It was a great episode. So I don't know, Dan, for me, this makes this entire podcast worthwhile, my book, if we can get Megatron to, to listen in. It's pretty amazing. I can't help but imagine not the voice actor, but Megatron with his earbuds, earbuds in his exactly. um, robotic ears, listening to this and and, and commenting on, on his Instagram account. Correct. Incredible. And I don't want to go into it too much because I've covered it enough. But what was pretty cool was we actually had so many different threads going on that the producers in the cast were actually talking to each other on our page. So they were sort of using the, the conversation thread and actually then just messaging each other without even including us, which is you know a little bit rude, but that's fine. They can go, they can do what they want. Um, like we had the director saying something like, "Oh, let's try and get Jack another Emmy for our show," and then Jack was replying to him with emojis. I mean, it was just it was crazy that they were choosing to have this conversation between themselves on our page. It was, uh, it was great. And, um, you know, I think uh, having Megatron, the leader one, listen to our podcast, I think that's pretty cool. So that's the mailbag for this week. I don't know how we go on from there. And I think it's a good reminder that you never know when a, an Autobot or a Decepticon is going to be listening to your show, listening to your podcast. Correct. Here we are thinking we're talking into the nothingness, but there's... There's more to us than meets the eye. Nicely done. You've worked on that. I like that. Shall it's we, not polished, sh- but... Shall we go across to our, um, our peak performances for this week, Dan? Because this week you uh, chose our actress and our actor, and uh, 
who do you want to kick us off with this week? Should we swap it around a little bit this week? Mm-hmm. So our um, actor that we've gone with this week is Val Kilmer, um, and our actress is Emily Blunt. But let's let's start with Val Kilmer for a, a change of pace. So for if this is the first episode you're listening to, what we do every week is um, we take turns choosing actresses, actors and actresses, and then we pick out what we think our, our favourite movie of theirs might be. Often we find it a, a great chance to reminisce about some of the, the great movies that um, that these people have been in, have starred in. Um, so for shall I shall I start with uh, with Val Kilmer? Sure. So. Welcome a really interesting career. Um, I feel like uh, an actor who we used to see a lot of, but obviously not so much of now. And when I think of Val Kilmer, I'm not even going to give you a, a runner-up choice this week. I'm just going to go straight for peak performance, Paul. And because this movie, he is perfect in this movie for me. And the movie is the 1993 movie Tombstone, where Val Kilmer plays um, Doc Holliday. And Tombstone is one of my all-time favourite Westerns, and that's probably sacrilege to anyone who's a big Western fan because it's kind of a an, uh, a more modern-day action Western. But Tombstone's one of those movies I can watch anytime, anywhere. And when I see Val Kilmer as... Um, Doc Holiday being offensive, gunslinger, looking yep. like he's on death's door. Absolutely brilliant. And I can't think Val Kilmer without thinking Doc Holiday. And for me, that is his number one peak performance. Well, that's really interesting because uh, just like Contact and uh, Apollo 13, movies that you've never seen, this is a movie that I've never seen. So if this is a peak performance, I feel like that alone means I've got to go out and see this movie. And I'm surprised I haven't seen it as well because I like that genre. So uh, it's an easy it's an easy add to my watch list, which I've just done whilst you were talking. And it's got so many other great actors. It's got Kurt Russell, it's got Sam Elliott, it's got Bill Paxton. It's If you like westerns, th- this is one for you. Mm. Okay, great. It's on the list now. I, I have to admit... I'm I'm a little disappointed because I was convinced that you were going to go with with Batman um, as the peak performance. So that's uh, no look. To be honest, I I will never understand how he got that role as Batman. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 all I think of when I think of Val Kilmer these days. It's crazy. It, it, like his performance with Batman, and it's not really his fault. But I just think some people aren't Batman. You know, they can be really good actors, but they're just not Batman. So anyway. I know we're talking about peak performances, but I just, I just, I just had to get that in there somewhere. I'm sorry, Dan, couldn't help myself. Um, so no runner-up for you. Straight into Tombstone, a movie I haven't seen. So that means everything I'm going to talk about is is a little different. Uh, I feel like fans of The Doors may not like this, but when I think of Jim Morrison, I actually picture Val Kilmer in my head. Now. His, his, him in the role uh, of of Jim Morrison, uh, I just think he really had the right look and the right feel, and it was one of those perfect casting moments in life. Um, so I give it, I give a bit of a shout out for that. Uh, I also want to give a quick shout out for his performance in Heat because you know he's he's alongside De Niro and Pacino, 
but I thought he really held his own in that movie. And people get so obsessed, you know, and I'm one of them, that this movie has these two powerhouse actors. But if you Google the poster for Heat, you actually see that there are three people on the front cover and three names, and that third person is Val Kilmer. And I think he's 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 really really good in it. So uh, that's a, a special shout out there for um, for Heat. But for me, my favourite uh, Val Kilmer performance, uh, I have to admit, is The Saint. And furthermore, it's probably my favourite version of The Saint. And the reason I mention that is because. I think that I, I consider that to be pretty high praise from the point of view that the Roger Moore version of the saint, of course, being the, the, the classic, but yeah, Val Kilmer is the same. Great movie, really convincing performance. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while. I worry if I go back and watch it, will some of those effects and different disguises uh, have not aged as well. I remember at the time being blown away thinking, this is amazing. He looks so different in every single scene. It's one of those, Great, great things. So, uh, yeah, that's my my peak performance. Uh, interesting. Both of us stayed away from 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 Top Gun. Uh, and another thing that I love about this peak performance segment, Dan, is that it gives you a chance to look through the back catalogue. It also gives you a chance to see what you haven't seen. And I spotted a movie in there called The Island of Doctor Moreau, uh, which he stars in with Marlon Brando. And I'll watch anything with Brando in it. And I never got around to watching that, so I'm going to go looking for that one. I think I think what's interesting when I look at Val Kilmer's back catalogue, he's actually in a lot of movies, but he's not often he's not often actually the main actor. Mm. Like, like he is in obviously movies like The Saint, but when I think about him in uh, Top Gun, um, you know, or or even Heat, like he's not the main build actor. Like he's he's still big, but um, it's. Maybe that's unfair. He does have a lot of movies where where he is the lead, but I, I when I think peak performance, I'm often thinking of the person kind of um, the the core of the show. If there's no if there's no that person, they're not there. I guess a, a couple of others. Just thinking about that back catalogue, then that did inspire me. Is again, I don't know what this movie translates to today, but the Ghost in the Darkness, where he stars along uh, Michael Douglas, and they're trying to build a a bridge, I think, in, in Africa, and there's um, two lions which are slowly um, taking down all of the right. the engineers and yeah. the members of the bridge. Um, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Um, mm. Another great movie. I think the Doors movie. It's great choices. There's a lot of great um, uh, runner-up choices for me in there as well. So a bit of a uh, a different one for both of us, and I think. The other thing I find really interesting about Val Kilmer is I feel like he's someone who quite dramatically changes his body shape mm-hmm. for different roles. Because mm-hmm. when I think about him as um, Doc Holliday, he's like he's very sick, he's very slight, he's very pasty. When I think about um, Val Kilmer in either The Saint or Batman or even as Iceman in, in Top Gun, he's a bit more kind of like bulked up and a bit more yeah. a bit more beefy. Yeah, yeah, good call, good call. Okay, so that must lead us on to our, our peak performance for our actress. So Emily Blunt was the was the pick this week, and uh, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Um, married to um, um, Jim John Krasinski. Jim. Oh my God, that name. Krin- Krin- John Krasinski. Yeah, that's right. That's right from the office. It's easy just big to fan, call him Jim. Fan. 
Jim, Jim, Jim from the office. Anyway, it's not about Jim. This is about uh, Emily. So Emily has got a, a pretty epic uh, back catalogue herself, I think, for, um, you know, when you compare it to Val Kilmer, it's a, obviously um, a bit younger, but some, some really great movies. Mm. And I think there's three movies that stand out for me. Um, Edge of Tomorrow is a real standout choice for me um, as a as a sci-fi um repeating the the same day over and over again movie sicario stands out for me where i think she plays a, a again along a, a pretty great cast uh is she, is she fbi i can't quite remember mm. but my peak performance for emily blunt would actually be her role in the quiet place yeah. so have you seen the quiet place Paul? i don't think i have i'm just looking up now so the quiet place is basically a a post-apocalyptic type world where aliens have um landed you can't make any sound you've got to stay quiet and she has a a young family a, a husband she's got a um a deaf daughter um and it's it's so good and i think she does such an amazing job through silence and emotion and and body language, and it's a movie where they're doing A Quiet Place too, which was actually meant to come out, but again, delayed through COVID, um, and um, it has been intentionally delayed because they want you to see this movie in the theatres. They want you to have the the surround sound, big screen experience. So really looking forward to that. And, yeah, I, I, th I think she's great. I think she's got a, a great range of different characters she can play. She can be child friendly. She can be a bit more adult. She can be sci-fi. She can be. She mm. can do whatever she wants. Yeah, I entirely agree with everything you've said. Then I was just reading about a quiet place, and I have heard of that movie. I think I saw her on a chat show talking about it. I think it's quite unique because of the dialogue. Yeah, really good summary of everything what you just said there about that that different sort of audience that she can perform to. Because yeah, some of the things I thought she was really good in Mary Poppins actually. I thought she was really good in that Mary Poppins Returns movie. Um interesting in the the quiet place there with uh, John Krasinski as well. Um I yeah, I think that could be worth it just for just for that. So the th interesting when you talked about the three movies that you think of, when I think of Emily Blunt, I guess the movies I think of is I agree, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. The other two I sort of slot in there are Adjustment Bureau. I really liked her in that. And then the one I also liked her in was Looper, um, the Ryan Johnson movie, um, another good performance. She's another one of those actresses who I, you know, like you, enjoy. She's always strong. She always raises the value of the the, uh, the film, the enjoyment. She's always really good in real life and like I said on chat shows like Graham Norton that she always seems to be a really great person um obviously you and I uh, recently talked about her movie I'm a, I enjoyed her in Sicario which um we we talked about on podcast number 17 she was fantastic in that she's got that ability to really draw you in um my winner though for for her and the one that really sticks with me is a movie that uh, my wife and I watched recently The Girl on the Train and that was a movie that she she really owned that part. She really sort of uh, you, you go on a journey with her and you really empathise with her character. It's a really it's a real psychological thriller. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's about a, a, a divorcee who becomes entangled in a missing persons investigation that promises to send shockwaves throughout her life. The taglines don't really necessarily stand up that well, but it's uh, 
a really strong movie a really um sort of uh makes you feel a bit uncomfortable and uh as someone who travels on the train a lot um it was quite an interesting movie to watch but uh yeah definitely a peak performance for me but yeah so much in the back catalogue and uh i think it's again it's, it's really interesting that you and i have picked some some picked out some different things because the other things i were sort of pointing towards was uh the the huntsman the the mary poppins movie that i talked about um and looper is that that one that i really enjoyed and so uh another great couple of choices for our peak performances dan uh emily blunt and val kilmer fantastic it's good. I think what I've realized on a slight side note is I think my brain struggles to, like I, when I think about um, John Krinsky, I, Kran, say it again for me. Jim. John, John Krasinski. Krinsky. I feel like I hear that name and I can say it in my head and then as soon as I go to say it, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. maybe I've got like some form of dyslexia and this is me finding out about it at this this point in my life but live on air i feel it happens to me all the time all the time i'm always i'm reading all these imdb pages i'm i'm reading rotten tomatoes and i go to say it to you and i i make a complete mess of it and then my fear is we've got megatron starscream reading like what listen to the podcast they're not i tell you what Disaster. they're not gonna megatron in particular is not gonna stand for that he's uh yeah you've got to sharpen it up well paul by surprise, we thought this was going to be a short episode and it's turned into another long episode. Incredible. That's what happens when we bring popcorn sales news into the mix. We, we managed to get some, <laughs> we managed to really you know, get the time. We always get over an hour these days. It's great. It's like a, it's like a challenge. It is, it is. I think we're going to have to have a, another um, code word once we get to the end. So, I guess we want to give you guys a bit of a heads up that we've got a, a bit of a, a different episode coming your way next week. Paul, do you want to talk to us a little bit about what, what we're doing? Yeah, so so next week's uh, Half Measures, what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, a couple of other people join us on the podcast. Uh, we will be having uh, Trisha Beatty and Paddy Fox from Time Travelling Temp, the premiere Doctor Who podcast from Ireland, uh, and we've talked about this podcast uh, on our podcast a couple of times. So I feel like if you're a Doctor Who fan, it's definitely going to be for you. But uh, more than that, we're going to have some chatting about you know podcasting in general. There's, we're going to find out what other people have been watching, and if you're thinking about watching Doctor Who, those sorts of things, we're going to put those questions to to, to Patty and Trisha, and it's going to be great to have someone else on the podcast for us to talk to. Um, It'll certainly mix up the format. It won't be a change that it'll be all the time. It's a one-off special, um, and then we'll be back into the usual format. But I think it could be a quite interesting uh, uh, experiment for us then. Yeah, it should be good. I'm really looking forward to talking to some some other podcasters, particularly they've got a bit of a, a different approach to us. As Paul mentioned, they're, they're really big Doctor Who fans. They've, they've really focused deep on, a, on that genre. Um, Whereas we, we sort of take a, a broad brush approach, everything from Star Trek to, to Fast and the Furious and whatever comes in between. Yeah, this is a this is a very specific podcast. It's one I've listened to um, every episode that they've produced so far, and it's one of my my top podcasts. And uh, yeah, they go deep, deep, deep into Doctor Who, episode by episode, right from the very beginning. Um, so I think there's a 
these guys could be in business for some time if they're going to cover off all of Doctor Who. So, yeah, join us for that one next week. Cool. And I guess just a, another shout-out again to our um, – patreon producers of the show so samara king and trisha brady so if you would like to become a, a supporter or a producer of the show um make sure you check out our patreon page links are down in the the show notes uh you can also check us out on twitter facebook pinterest tumblr I, where else paul all, all the socials. I think I think the only one you haven't mentioned so far there is, is Facebook. I think pretty much, but you've you've covered them all all off nicely, and uh, yeah. Once again, from Dan and I, uh, thanks to Starscream, uh, thanks to Megatron, uh, thanks to Leader One, uh, thanks to Refractor and Ravage for for you know getting involved with our podcast. It's great. Also, thanks to Mission Log and the Roddenberry Podcast Network for their support. And once again, if you guys would like to sponsor an episode of Half Measures. Keep the lights on here. Get in touch with us at halfmeasurespodcast.com. That would be great. And, yeah, we look forward to you joining us next week for our interview on Half Measures. Adios.